Today on Stick to Football, we're going to run you through all the news and notes, the trades, the free agent signings, everything you may have missed over the last couple of days. We're going to give you some of our best fits for the existing free agents who are out there. Uh, going to give you a prospect spotlight and then answer some draft on draft questions. Matt, Mello, and Connor, uh, you can watch us. We're kind of back on YouTube. We're experimenting with some different video techniques. So listen three times a week and watch the show as well. But fellas, we start here. New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton announced to ESPN Thursday afternoon that he has tested positive for coronavirus. The first known positive case in the NFL as we uh, it's only been a week, by the way. That's what's uh, crazy about this. It's really only been a week since the NBA shut down the season and, and it feels like the world is kind of flipped upside down. But guys, Sean Payton test positive and I think there have been so many moments throughout the last week where it's like it kind of hits home and you're like, oh, man, like that's the NBA season shut down. There's no March Madness. School's canceled. And and this is much smaller than that, obviously. But when it's someone that you've covered and seen a million times and now it's it, it's a little bit closer to home, maybe. It, it is really weird. I think the whole thing the last week that we've been talking about, it didn't feel real until it started to affect the sports world. Uh, even I was sitting there stupidly questioning, like, is this thing that big of a deal? Is it that big of a deal? The NBA gets affected by it. And now football fans getting affected by this with the Sean Payton news. Um, it sucks. Hopefully we can get this thing under control. Um, I know that I'm ready to have sports back especially real football, so I don't want this to carry over into the fall. Stay at home. If you're not at home, go home. Stay there. Yeah, I don't know how much more info you need at this point to start taking this serious. I mean, obviously the coastal cities uh, got hit, and a lot of these shutdowns went into effect there first, but now it feels nationwide. And for Sean Payton, it's, it's good news that early reports are that he's he is feeling good. I think that's the most important thing in all of this. But if you need any more evidence that this thing is real, um, it's I mean, it's spreading across every single major sports league. It's spreading across actors, all kinds of celebrities, and it could happen in your own family. So, I mean, just stay inside, wait it out, and, and everyone's going to get through this. Right. That This is our, I know people have, you know, the meme of our parents and grandparents went through, you know, the Depression and World War II and Vietnam, and we're just being asked to stay home and watch Netflix. Like, that's all you guys got to do. Stay home and listen to the podcast. There's two and a half, almost three years where the podcast out there, just of us talking that you could go back and listen to to uh, call it the new sticky challenge. I just want to see pictures of you guys sitting home in your fucking sweats it's, watching this podcast. It's the most millennial thing that could happen to the millennial generation. It's like, <laughs> we just need you to stay home, and we're still failing at it. Yeah, we'll get there. All right, let's get into the football news. Thomas John Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. It really did feel like, uh, especially after he said, hey, I'm not going back to New England, it was like, okay, it's the Chargers or the Buccaneers, and you could pretty quickly tell the turn in the tide of Brady going to Tampa Bay where he will have Mike Edwins, Chris Godwin. Uh, I guess we have to say O.J. Howard even though he hasn't done anything. Same for Ronald Jones in the backfield. But he gets Bruce Arians who has now coached Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, and Tom Brady. Not a bad cast of characters Bruce Arians has coached. And I, I think it's an interesting fit. We were kind of talking about this this week, Matt. I, I really thought that he was going to lean more towards 
the Chargers and what they had to offer. I didn't think that the downfield throwing offensive Bruce Arians would kind of entice him there. But apparently the proximity to New York City is going to be a big deal for Tom Brady with those quick flights. And I think this offense can change. I don't think that Bruce Arians is going to say, well, I brought in Tom Brady. Now I'm going to make him every other quarterback that I've had. I think that Arians recognizes that kind of later in his career here with Tom Brady, the offense is going to have to be a little bit different. You can take a little bit of what Arians wants, a little bit of what Brady wants. You have the tools to be successful in any offense. So uh, the more you piece these uh, puzzle pieces together, the more it makes sense. And for Brady, it's a ton of fun. I mean, you're going to an offense. This is something I talked about with Adam Lefko on his show, the Lefko show. Uh, look at the weapons they have there. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they have a great coaching staff. I think Ronald Jones started to turn it on last year. You know, you get some pieces on this offensive line. It's just going to be fun to watch this Tampa Bay team. It, it makes sense that season ticket calls were going off the charts uh, for the Glazer family there down in Tampa. So, it, I mean, listen, was the market that big for Brady when all is said and done? It really, really wasn't. But if you had to pick a landing spot, you could do much worse than going down to Tampa. This is a nice fit. Yeah, and I wonder when you look at their first-round pick now, um, like you said, Connor, the interior offensive line is actually pretty good there. At tackle, I think Donovan Smith and DeMar Dotson are, are below average. Let's just be honest about it. So I, I do wonder if this means now we see a team that says, okay, well, uh, maybe now we're going to invest in an offensive tackle position. But uh, as we've said before, we expect four to, of those guys to go in the top 11. So is this a team that's now a landing spot for Josh Jones or Austin Jackson? I think that's something that the front office there, led by Jason Light's really going to have to try to figure out over the next uh, month here, month and four days, is do they go after one of these uh, you know tier two offensive tackles in this draft? Uh, they bring back Shaq Barrett on a franchise tag. They've made some other moves to bolster uh, the defense, but I think this is a team that, yes, offensively, I think they're going to be really, really explosive. Uh, we all loved Devin White, who they got in last year's draft. So there's some players there. This is not a complete roster. I, I do think the Chargers roster overall is actually better because of what they have on defense. But as I, I've been screaming from the mountaintops, if I'm Tom Brady and I'm almost 43 years old, I do not want to deal with Patrick Mahomes twice a year in the AFC West. So I think that almost sealed the deal of if you want to win, you have to get out. You have to go away from the AFC West, which we saw this next guy do. Connor and I talked about it a little bit on the Wednesday show, but it's official now. Philip Rivers to the Indianapolis Colts. And talk about a roster that's, I mean, they're a win now. You trade your first round pick to get DeForest Buckner. You bring back Anthony Costanzo at left tackle on a two year deal. You get Philip Rivers, what amounts to a year to year deal. Guys, we love Marlon Mack in the backfield. We've had him on the show, huge fan of his, but the, the wide receiver core, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, that crew, they got to stay healthier. This is not going to work. Oh, I, I, I definitely agree. I think they have the tools, but you got to get all these guys on the field, even if it's, you know, Marlon Mack. Looking at this offensive line, I think it's one of the best in football. So you can see why Papa Phil says, yeah, I'll go ahead and join that. The Chargers don't want me back. I feel like this is a good fit. Bring in a veteran guy. It's a one-year deal. You can still keep Jacoby Brissett around unless Belichick gives you that call and wants him back. But I I like that quarterback room. Give another year with Brissett to help out around Phillip Rivers, see what he can do. And then maybe next year, if you're not in position to take a quarterback, you can have Brissett come back and be your starter. Still have to fill some other holes on this team, but working the trade market the way that they did, things are looking up in Indianapolis.
Yeah, I think this move has maybe the biggest spectrum out of a lot of the moves we've seen. This could work out great. This could fall on its face. There was times last year where Phil Rivers' arm was dead, and it looked like his days as a quarterback uh, were certainly behind him. But now you get a little bit of being rejuvenated in Indy. You obviously love the staff. You love the fit. The offensive line can really pass protect him. It's great that Anthony Costanzo didn't retire, came back on a two-year deal at pretty good market value for how good of a player he's been, how reliable of a player he's been. Now the Colts go into this draft. They have the two second-round picks. They get him some wide receivers. I know they have some guys there. Maybe they'll get something out of Paris Campbell this year after a dud of a rookie season from him. Um, and when it comes down to it, I mean, listen, you can lean on this run game with the interior offensive line you have, a healthy Marlon Mack. So for Rivers, this is a great outcome for him him and maybe he'll come in a little bit more rejuvenated this year teddy bridgewater one of my favorite quarterbacks in the nfl that is not a joke i actually love teddy bridgewater goes to the carolina panthers i think this surprised a lot of us because within the last couple of months there had been some reports that hey they were going to wait and see what happened with cam newton see where he was health wise i actually firmly believe that the outbreak of coronavirus the team facilities being shut down I think that this played a big part into that. The Panthers are really, for the next two months maybe, not going to be able to evaluate Cam Newton, see where he's at in his rehab, see where he's at in his process. You almost had to make a decision right now. From a cap perspective, letting Cam Newton go, and and he could be cut as we're sitting here recording Thursday afternoon, or trying to trade him makes the most sense. But with Teddy, you get someone who, um, again, something we've said a lot on this show, he needed to be in the southern part of the country or play in a dome. This is not a strong arm, but he's efficient. He's incredibly effective as a passer. When you have DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, you have Christian McCaffrey going to catch 100 passes out of the backfield. I think Teddy Bridgewater fits very, very well with these offensive weapons they have. Now, we don't know what uh, this offense is really going to look like. With Matt Rule as the new head coach, I would imagine we're going to see it spread out. We're going to see the ball get thrown a lot. Uh, But the real uh, interesting case here will be what they get out of the offensive line. Greg Little, a second-round pick last year. Taylor Moten, a second-round pick several years back. But they also have the number 7 pick in the draft, guys, where they could go defense. Hell, they could go wide receiver. If Matt Rule really wants to throw the ball, they could add another receiver in there. But it sounds like they do like the young guys at tackle. Yeah, it sounds like they like their defense, too. Uh, I like the signing. I was surprised that it was three years. But for Teddy to stay in the NFC South, I think that's a big deal. He's already familiar with playing against teams like Tampa Bay and Atlanta. He's going to be familiar with what the Saints are doing. So it's a good fit for him. I was a little bit surprised to see the Panthers go after a quarterback, especially one on a three-year deal. But with Cam, I think it's just time to separate. It's time to part ways. I know he didn't want to. The writing was kind of on the wall. He hasn't been playing well. He hasn't been playing much the last couple of years. Hopefully he can get a new opportunity somewhere else. I like the player. I love what he did in Carolina. Uh, it's just time to move on. And, and I sh- Sorry, I should say, um, you just made me think of something. Joe Brady's the offensive coordinator there who he knows. They were together in New Orleans. So he's going to be just fine as far as learning this system and getting in there. Yeah, so I, it's a seamless fit. I like that fit a lot. And what they're going to do with this you know, early pick in the draft, number seven overall, endless options i mean they could really go anywhere except for running back just don't take a running back yeah i like the fit i think teddy made a really good choice here it's it's interesting because they're kind of one foot forward one foot back with this rebuild or not rebuilding that's what i'm trying to figure out i'll say this for the panthers obviously you can get a really good player in isaiah simmons where they're drafting 
I would like to see them take one of the top offensive linemen. I was personally not a Greg Little believer. We'll see what he has if they do opt to start him. I know he went in the second round. I saw him as a day three player last year, had a fifth round grade on him. They are in prime position to build a phenomenal offensive line for Teddy. They have a lot of skill talent there in Carolina that he's going to thrive with and that offensive coordinator. So I would like to see them really start getting that foundation going with that first round pick. Yeah, and they could. They could, like you said, Mel, they could go a lot of ways. Isaiah Simmons makes sense. Uh, C.J. Henderson, I, I know that might be a little bit early for him, but we've talked about him nine to Jacksonville, a team that you lose James Bradbury, and yes, Dante Jackson's there, but they're going to have a need at the corner position. So, Man, that's early for corner. I would have a big problem with that if I was a Panthers fan. If it's not Jeff Akuda. Yeah, if it's not a kuda, I think for it would just depend for me who is on the board. And like you said, Matt Rule did not pick Greg Little. It will. I think this will tell us a lot about how much Marty Herney's involved in this process with the front office. If if they take a left tackle, you say, okay, well, that tells us all we need to know about Greg Little. If they replace the guy one year after drafting him in the second round, the Chicago Bears got busy, and we did not. I did not at least see this coming. They trade for Nick Foles. They sign Robert Quinn. They sign Jimmy Graham, and they let Leonard. Floyd go now I think Jimmy Graham is way past his prime I think Nick Foles is a backup and I think they overpaid for Robert Quinn but it, I mean at least they're being aggressive but I don't feel like you're addressing the biggest issues here they've done nothing to help the offensive line their wide receiver core Allen Robinson's a stud the rest of those receivers have not done anything Jimmy Graham I think we saw in Green Bay like couldn't produce with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback I just I don't feel like they're like they know they have some problems, they're just not really trying to fix them. Is what it feels like. It feels like they went for some splash signings that really aren't going to amount to much. With all three of these guys, really, I feel like you had to address the quarterback situation. But I don't like the Nick Foles trade. You are already limited on picks, and then these signings. Where the hell's all this money coming from? Because I thought they didn't have money in Chicago, but I guess uh, when you're paying guys like Robert Quinn, you do. Questionable moves. I don't know that any of these signings really solve their problems yeah I was not a fan of the Nick Foles move and I don't think any Chicago Bears fan was Jimmy Graham still getting paid out here is kind of unbelievable I will say Robert Quinn was very good in Dallas last year I know he had two seasons where he was hurt and not as effective and he really bounced back into the player that was dominant early on in his career so I understand why he got paid the potential of this defense is really exciting but I'm still down on this offense for Chicago I don't really see how much of an upgrade they necessarily got and I'll say this for how much I don't like Nick Foles uh, the Nick Foles acquisition, I don't think Mitch Trubisky will beat him out in camp. That's going to be, if we have training camp, that's going to be uh, one of the better battles to watch that might actually be between bad quarterbacks is to see who wins that one. I know everyone's saying, oh, Nick Foles has had success in offenses like Matt Nagy's. I don't even know what Matt, Matt Nagy's offense looks like anymore because what we saw last year in Chicago is not what they run in Kansas City. So I, I can't imagine that maybe Trubisky is holding you back that far, um, but... I, I did just want to say, I, I don't love what the Bears have done here. They have to address offensive tackle. They don't have a first-round pick. They do have two in the second round. So unless they're going to try to trade up, you're probably getting backup caliber tackles in the second round. Darius Slay is officially out of Detroit, somewhere he wanted to get out of badly. And, fellas, we could talk about what this means for the Eagles, who also picked up Javon Hargrave. They filled two gigantic needs already early in this process. But it feels like now for the Detroit Lions, even if they trade out of that three spot, we've been mocking Jeff Akuda there for what feels like four months. Can probably go ahead and put that one in ink. 
it, as long as he's on the board, it, it also feels, feels like, like they don't like members of their own secondary, though. Trading That's Quandre true. Diggs, now getting rid of Darius Slay. I really liked Slay. I, I was hoping that he would end up on the Chiefs. I love that signing for the Eagles. The Eagles fans should be very happy with that. You didn't give up much to get him. Uh, so it does seem like the Lions maybe want to go with the corner, but also how much do they value corner? So it is a kind of a toss up right now, in my opinion. I mean, Patricia coming from New England, you look at Flores, they went out and gave Byron Jones big time money. So there is a blueprint there for those defenses to have a shutdown corner. So Kuda, he's a perfect fit. It makes sense. The question is, do they move out of that spot for a team that wants to come up for not only Tua, but also Justin Herbert? As for the Eagles, they've made two of my favorite moves this offseason, whether it was signing Javon Hargrave for the pass rush in the middle. Now Darius Slay, obviously on the outside and I know he's 29 but the guaranteed money's in the first two years I think they'll be productive years I love how aggressive Howie Roseman is every single offseason yeah and they still have the 21st pick in the draft where they can get a Justin Jefferson type player and fill one of those other big needs at a wide receiver if you want to go linebacker in the second round Jordan Brooks Malik Harrison there's going to be options there for them to continue to fill some of the needs that they have now the LA Rams were um, we knew they were up against it. Jared Goff got a big payday on Thursday as his contract became uh, some of the guarantees became uh, some of the money became guaranteed. That's what I'm trying to say. But the Rams now have lost Dante Fowler in free agency to the Falcons. They lost Corey Littleton in free agency to the Raiders. And Todd Gurley was cut Thursday afternoon, literally minutes before they owed him ten and a half million dollars. Uh, I think you can spin this and say no running back should ever be paid that type of money on a second contract ever again. But for Todd Gurley, uh, we'll see where he ends up. We're going to talk about that in the second segment. But, fellas, that's actually what I wanted to ask you. We have guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, who are going to be coming up very soon for deals. Do you pay those guys a record-breaking second contract? Nope. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't even touch it. Just Uh, no. I don't even know if I'd give them Todd Gurley money. Let's see in the next couple of years where the market is on running backs. But no, I think you've seen every team that's ever extended a running back. They ended up getting burnt on the deal. I, we'll see what happens with Zeke. I, I love what he's done in Dallas, behind a great offensive line with Dak Prescott. But also, what's that deal going to look like in three years? Are they going to be trying to get out of it just like Todd Gurley? So we'll see what happens. It's a very early prediction, but I'm... I'm not paying a running back. I I know those guys were drafted very high, and that's going to play into it when it looks at the front office re-signing these guys, but I wouldn't pay a running back right now. You can find them. Look at the Eagles. Miles Sanders last year it came and was very productive as a what, second, third-round pick. Yeah. You can get a Your running back. put Damian Williams off the street into the backfield. Yeah, and won a Super Bowl. And obviously that's a very good offense, but your team, there we go, we'll just do this thing. (laughs) You can find a running back that can play special teams and he can still get 100 yards a game in the right system with the right offensive line. There aren't many I would pay. I would say at least 9 out of 10 I wouldn't pay. I would pay Christian McCaffrey. A 1,000-yard receiver. He's 23 years old after three seasons, so he came into the, the NFL at a really, really young age. I would at least extend him you know, until he's 27 or 28 years old. I think he can be a guy, uh, you like, you know, kind of how Matt Forte was, just a special pass catching back that does everything. But outside of that, I, I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, with McCaffrey, you could at least just move him to wide receiver if you needed to. Exactly. Right? He, he plays a slot, slot anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's so it's not a, a real running back there. Last thing before we take a break, it was, and uh, I believe Ian Rappaport broke this story today that before. All private workouts got shut down. The Miami Dolphins attempted to bring in quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, there's been a lot of reports from the Miami Herald that, oh, they don't like Tua. 
They don't like Tua. Well, they were trying to bring him in when basically all NFL travel got shut down. I have heard it both ways over the last week when no one has anything to do and scouts are just texting away. I've heard Justin Herbert. I've heard Tua. I don't think anyone outside of maybe Chris Greer knows right now who they're taking at quarterback. I think it's a lying type of season. You're going to get teams that get that local guy that say, hey, Put this out there. We hate to him. We don't, we're not taking him. And you just get that misinformation from a lot of teams. And I think it's going to happen a lot this year because we haven't seen teams visit. We know that they probably tried to bring in Tua. Couldn't happen. So you're going to get a lot of misinformation. It's going to be hard to sort through the trash. And I'll say this. They probably don't even know who they're trying to take right now because they've probably been all over Tua's medicals. So when it comes down to it, they might be sitting there and going, hey, if we're not comfortable with the medicals, you know, by the time draft week rolls around, we like Justin Herbert enough where we'll take him or we'll trade up for him. And maybe something they do like is they feel like they could sit there at five and get Herbert rather than being super aggressive to go up to three to get Tua. But I think the Dolphins have officially become maybe the most interesting team in the top 10 of this NFL draft. Yeah, with 5, 18, and 26 in the first round, the Dolphins can go a lot of directions. And if you don't have to give up one of those or your two second-round picks to get the quarterback, you're going to feel a heck of a lot better about your situation. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to run through some of our favorite fits for the free agents who are still on the board. The first wave of free agency is is coming gone, and there are still good players out there on the market, whether it's a Todd Gurley who was released late, a Cam Newton who could be traded or released outright, or other guys like Jadavian Clowney who probably due to some medical issues in his past and not able to take a physical is still sitting out there on the market, guys. So we're going to go kind of rapid fire through some of the top players out there on the market and see where we think they would be a good fit. Let's start with Jadavian Clowney, who seems like is probably going to have to take a shorter term deal because of the fact that he can't go in and go through a medical. He can't go through a physical, which for a player who's been very banged up, also very productive when he's on the field, I think that's something that is slowing the market for him. So when I look at Clowney, I think a team that has been very aggressive this year and has the money to do something, even if it's a one-year $18 million, is the Indianapolis Colts. We've seen them make a big move for DeForest Buckner and then give him $21 million a year. If you want to round out this front four where they've thrown a ton of draft picks at guys, haven't necessarily hit on anyone yet. They brought in a Justin Houston last year. I think Clowney could fit very well in what they're trying to do defensively. Yeah, and I would agree with that. So I'll give a different team. I think the Dolphins are out there, and they're spending money. They're bringing in a lot of good veterans, too. I still think they have a need, an edge rusher, a guy that could come in and get after the quarterback. And right now, Jadavion Clowney is the best one out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins weren't done making moves to say, hey, we're building something here. We're going to get a young quarterback. Why don't you come over here? Or, you know, even like the Colts, they already did it with Papa Phil. Might as well bring in Clowney, too, on a one-year deal. Maybe don't have to pay him that much, but like a prove-it deal. Uh, I guess we can start calling it the Ryan Tannehill deal. I think for Clowney, you should just go back to Seattle. Now, I can't speak to what you know the interest level was or how much money they felt allocating. Uh, they felt they could allocate to him returning. But in terms of scheme fit, we've already seen this work really, really well. And we've heard all the rumors that he really liked it there as well. So if you're not comfortable with the long-term offers out there on the external market that Let's be real. Sometimes when you get, you know, into the 28 year old, 29 year old season and you have an injury pass, that could be your last deal on a bad scheme fit. So for Clowney, if you are looking at lower term offers, I would consider going back to Seattle. He was really good there last year. How about famous Jameis Winston, Crab League stealing 30 pick throwing Heisman Trophy winner uh, on the market now? I don't think he's getting a starting quarterback job. I think that's the most important thing. I. 
have thought this for a very long time. Jameis Winston's not a starting level quarterback in the NFL with the turnovers that he brings to the table. I think going somewhere like the Pittsburgh Steelers where Big Ben's probably going to get hurt and you could play in a vertical offense from the pocket where you're just going to be able to launch passes down the field and they still have a little of that uh, no risk it, no biscuit mentality. I think Winston would be a very good backup for Big Ben. Maybe not the most liked quarterback room in the NFL if you have Big Ben, Jameis Winston, and Mesa Rudolph. But it definitely fits offensively. It might be one of the worst of all time. But they brought in quarterbacks like that before, like a Byron Leftwich at the end of his year, at the end of his career to do it. I think the perfect fit for Jameis Winston is actually going to be the New England Patriots. I think you look at Jameis. He does a lot of things really well. He did throw 30 touchdowns last year. I think Belichick could probably fix some of those errors that he has and get him right. I also think that he's had a lot of off-field issues, and you're not going to go to New England and have off-field issues. So if I'm Jameis Winston, I'm calling the Patriots, and I'm saying, please bring me in, let me have a chance, I'll keep my mouth shut, I'll keep my hands free of crab legs, just show me how to be a quarterback. I was going to say, I don't think uh, he'll be fortunate enough to hear from either of those franchises with how Jameis Winston has played and with how he's acted in the past. Now, I think when you look at one team where you can get a fresh start, I look at the Washington Redskins. I know Dwayne Haskins is there. I know they don't want all this turmoil, but you still need a backup quarterback at the end of the day. And those are the roles he's looking at. And he's not looking at places that the backup spot is a premium one. That means going to where a staff is going to elevate you or going to where you're expected to compete for the job. But I think with Washington, if things did not go well for Haskins this year, Jameis would get another chance to be on the field and you know advertise himself before he realistically hits free agency again next year, guys. I don't think he gets more than a one-year deal at this point. All right, how about this one? Melvin Gordon, who turned down one year ago a deal from the Chargers that he is not finding on the market as we sit here Thursday afternoon. I still feel like Gordon is a... Uh, a starting level running back who needs someone to help with him, like we saw with an Austin Eckler. So I'm going to say the Miami Dolphins, a team that has already brought in Jordan Howard, but last year they were led in rushing by Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's a problem for me. So no, I don't think Jordan Howard's the answer, and I don't think Melvin Gordon alone would be the answer, but together, I think you have at least the framework of a pretty good backfield. You probably still want to address like a smaller scat type guy like an Anthony McFarland at some point in the draft. But I think Melvin Gordon in Miami definitely fits and makes some sense. Uh, I think it fits and it makes sense, but I think the Steelers make better sense. When I'm looking at this lineup and what they have left, there's some holes at running back. And I love James Conner. I love his story. But the guy struggled. He wasn't healthy last year. He struggled when he was on the field. And that offense really missed a good running back. I think if Melvin Gordon can get himself in this offense, he can catch the ball out of the backfield well enough. He can run strong enough. I love this fit. And, and again, if I'm Melvin Gordon... I'm probably picking up that phone and trying to call the Steelers, who are still a very good team in the AFC, who might be willing to pay a running back some money, just not a lot, like we've seen him do with Le'Veon Bell. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. I know they have Motor Singletary over there. He's a really fun, exciting player. They've been open to needing a complimentary back for him. He's somebody that you know was a little banged up last year, and you want a tandem here in Buffalo. They're a team that runs the football a lot there with Josh Allen under center. A really, really good rebuilt offensive line. They have plenty of guys on that wide receiver that can stretch the field, whether it's Diggs, Brown, you have Beasley in the slot. I think getting a running back of Melvin Gordon's ability, three-down ability over there to pair with Singletary – 
I think the value will be right for him, and I think the fit is best in Buffalo. I uh, actually agree with both yours. I like both those fits a lot. Robbie Anderson maybe goes back to Connor's New York Jets, but if Robbie hits the market, and I'm actually a little surprised at the fact that there has not been more interest here. Me I think, too. I think we were all waiting for Amari Cooper, obviously, but now I'm a little more surprised that Robbie has not been plucked up. How about the Denver Broncos? Love what they have in Cortland Sutton, but a team that needs a speedy inside receiver to grow with Drew Locke, Noah Fan. We've seen them already add Graham Glasgow to really improve this interior offensive line. They traded for Drew Casey. They're being aggressive here, and I think Robbie Anderson would be a very aggressive move. Not sure he fits Denver like as a city that well, but I think Robbie would fit that offense great. <laughs> well, I'm going to put him in Green Bay. So okay. how do you think well, he there fits <laughs> there in Green Bay? Uh, I don't know how he fits in the city. I love the way he could fit on this team, though. You look at Devontae Adams. He needs a receiver opposite of him because they really struggled last year at times with that. Robbie Anderson can stretch the field. He can keep that defense honest. It gives Aaron Rodgers another target to free up Aaron Jones in the rushing game. And Green Bay is showing that they are going to spend money. They like veteran guys. I think if Robbie Anderson on the right deal, if you can get him here, I think the fit is just perfect in Green Bay. Yeah, I agree with that one. I thought they should have traded for him at the deadline, and they did not show interest there. I thought the Eagles were going to come out of this thing day one, or the Raiders, and get this one done. Both teams that needed speed at wide receiver. Maybe they still do, and they wanted the market to trickle down, but the fact this is not done... I know he has an offer on the table from the Jets, and I still think the fit is the Jets. And that's not me being biased. That's just me saying his market did not develop the way he thought it would. And he has good chemistry with Sam Darnold. He's been very, very vocal about that. Robbie's a guy that came out of Temple undrafted for a reason. He had a lot of growing up to do, and somehow he found that in Florham Park, New Jersey. That is not easy to find a place to do that. So I think for Robbie, it's it's looking like it's going to be maybe a two-year deal with some good guarantees, but not the four-year deal for $45 million that he wanted. And going back to the Jets, he would still hit free agency, guys, with the new CBA cap spike, I think at 27 or 28 years old, where he can go get paid again. Devonta Freeman was a cap casualty about the Atlanta Falcons, but also someone who, I mean, he was not playing up to his contract. They've decided to go in a different direction. Devonta Freeman is now out there. I look at the Buffalo Bills. Connor, you mentioned it for Melvin Gordon. I think they do need a complimentary back to go with Devin Singletary. Some conversations I've had with, with scouts there, they would like to get another running back, someone who uh, they would prefer a little bit more speed. But I think Devonta Freeman could be a low-cost, high-impact player for a team that uh, I feel like they're the front runners right now in the AFC East. Freeman can help them yeah, get over are. that hump, and you could still draft someone late or pick up an undrafted free agent who could contribute, add some speed, maybe some special teams prowess. But I think Freeman helps the Bills stay a little bit ahead of the rest of the division right now. And I hope this next move isn't popular in your guys' opinion. I'm going to say I'm putting him on the Detroit Lions. I do not like what they have in the running back uh, position. Carryon Johnson was a second-round pick a couple years ago. I think he's failed to produce. And when I look at Devonta Freeman, I see a guy that can catch the ball very well out of the backfield and probably needs another back to go with him, much like Carryon Johnson. So if I'm Matt Patricia, I'm trying to build my stable of running backs And these two running backs need a running mate to go with them. So I think if they can carry the load here, both of these guys, Carrion Johnson and Freeman, can see more success if they're paired up together. I also think Matt Patricia hates Carrion Johnson for some reason because they just do not give him the ball. That might be it. You're right, Melo. He hasn't produced, but he's he's talented. It's just they they don't like him. I... (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't think Patricia I don't, likes anyone. I don't think it's a personal thing. I think that if anybody can produce on the field, you're going to get touches. 
And, and he has had some opportunities to carry the ball. It might not be the load that he's wanted to, but only healthy in seven games this year, rushed for 400 yards. Offensive line probably still needs some help. But if I'm Detroit, I'm looking for another running back to pair with him. Yeah, just like you guys, I'm looking to put him in a tandem role. And that's why I'm going to go with Vegas, with the Raiders. Josh Jacobs was phenomenal as a rookie. There is no doubt about that. But that shoulder has taken a beating to the point where, I mean, he was playing with one healthy shoulder for the end of last year. Uh, They need somebody to take some other carries or at least some insurance. And I think Freeman gives them a different player than Josh Jacobs. And uh, we know Gruden. Gruden goes through spurts where he wants to run the ball sometimes 30 times a game. So when it comes down to it, Freeman's not going to cost a lot of money. He's a good veteran to have in there with a young ascending running back. Todd Gurley, like we said earlier, cut on Thursday due $10.5 million. They said, uh, no, thank you. Uh, Somebody who's been banged up. I I think Todd Gurley is an interesting kind of case study this offseason because is he bad or was the offensive line bad or is it a little bit of both? Someone who's got arthritic knees. So he needs to go somewhere and not be expected to be the guy. If I'm Todd Gurley, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Tom Brady and go to Tampa Bay and be, you know, be the David Johnson to Bruce Arians offense here where no, you're not getting 30 touches a game. They have Ronald Jones for some of that. But I, I think Gurley... I don't know what he's going to be in 2020, but I would be willing to roll the dice and, and on a $10 million for one year to see what kind of guy he could be. And, you know, if you want to load that fucker up with incentives, go for it. But I, I think a low risk contract like that somewhere where he can get back to being that off tackle, you know, high reception type back that he was. Yeah, I mean, in 2018, he was one of the best backs in the league and then could barely finish that season, even in the Super Bowl run that they had. And then last year, it looked like we saw a completely different running back. I'm going to I'm going to steal this. I'm going to pair him with another good running back too. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles. Go get your one-year deal to maybe prove that you're healthy. Split some time with Miles Sanders, see what's out there. But also if I'm going to take a one-year prove it deal and I'm Todd Gurley, I'm not going to a team that's bad. I'm going to a team that's already proven, like maybe, I guess not proven, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Philadelphia Eagles who are in the playoffs almost every season. Go there team up with guys like Wentz, get Miles Sanders in there, who I think can be a young Todd Gurley, and see what you have for a year, and then maybe move on if there are offers out there. I just want him in an offense where he can explode, or at least explode with the limited reps that he's going to have with the injuries he's had. And I go with Arizona. I know they obviously transition tag uh, Kenyon Drake there. They have a running back that they like as a pass catcher. Gurley can do a little bit of everything. And I think we've seen from Cliff Kingsbury, he's just going to load up on weapons, guys. I I mean, you look at how they're going to build that thing over there. They brought in Kenyon Drake. It worked out really well. They trade for DeAndre Hopkins. They give up essentially nothing for a star wide receiver to play with Andy Isabella, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. They're definitely going to draft offensive line in the top 10. So if Gurley's number is a one-year deal, Arizona can make this thing happen and have reliable weapons across the board. How about this one? As we're recording, he has not been traded. I think it's going to be very hard to trade Cam Newton because of the injuries and not being able to have him in for a physical. So let's assume Cam Newton hits the market and is released by the Carolina Panthers. Where are the best fits for him? Where do we think he'll land? I'm going to go back to the L.A. Chargers, the team that missed out on Tom Brady. And I know Ian Rappaport said that they're not going to sign a free agent. They're not going to trade for anyone, which tells me they're going to address it at number six in the draft. But 
My best fit, not a prediction, just best fit for Cam Newton would be to go work with Anthony Lynn, to go to L.A. where he can be marketable. You be the face of a new stadium that's opening. Be the guy on all the billboards while they try to sell tickets opposite Jared Goff and Aaron Donald with the Rams. So maybe the best football fit it might not be there. And it sure sounds like they're not going to go that route. But I, if I'm Cam Newton, I'm trying like hell to get to L.A. so that I can be with the Chargers. Yeah, and for me, I'm going to team him up with his old coach. I'm going to say the Washington Redskins. I don't think that Cam is in a, a part of his career where he can go and be the starter, but he might be able to push a young quarterback like Dwayne Haskins to that next level and say, okay, I have a proven veteran back here. I've got to get my shit together. I can't be taking selfies in the stands when we're trying to kneel out the clock. So I think that Cam Newton going there, kind of being that tutor for Dwayne Haskins, but also pushing him along is going to be a great fit. Plus, you get to work in a system that you're already a little bit familiar with. So for me, the Redskins are the perfect fit for Cam Newton. The Chargers are the most logical choice here, but I don't want to just sit here and agree with Matt. So I brought a different option to the table. The Miami Dolphins. I know they have Ryan Fitzpatrick there. I know they're going to draft a quarterback. But when you look at Cam, if they draft Tua, there's no guarantee Tua's ready to rock and roll this season right away. And down with the Dolphins, he might be able to actually win that starting job and elevate it team that's made a lot of free agency moves I don't think this team is going into this year saying hey if we win three games who cares if they overachieved but I think that's what it felt like last year this year it feels like they're ready to step on the gas a little bit in the AFC East and if they want to upgrade from Fitz and they do have plans to take Tua and no he won't be ready give Cam a look all right, it is prospect spotlight time. We're each going to pick a player, and today the rule was you had to pick somebody in the day three section of the draft. Now, you can't pick Isaiah Simmons. You got to go a little bit deeper than that. So my guy's going to be... shots at me for taking Simmons last time right? we did that this? Was, I was throwing shots at you. I'm going to take K.J. Hill from Ohio State, who I thought at the end of the 2018 season, when he had Dwayne Haskins chucking the ball down the field, was like, man... This guy's going to be a player. Well, came out this past year. His production dropped off uh, quite a bit. He had more touchdowns, but his catches dropped, yards dropped. I still am a firm believer in K.J. Hill. I know he played a ton of outside wide receiver uh, for Ohio State. I think he could be a very, very good slot weapon at the next level. I think his size profile fits very, very well. He's not the fastest guy, but I think he's very quick. That short area quickness, uh, good hands. What we've seen him do in terms of uh, the the shakiness, the juice that he has in his game, and almost never dropped a pass when he was at Ohio State. So I look at him, I project him forward, put him in an offense where he can be that inside guy, whether that's, you know, Tampa Bay now, if they need a slot receiver. I know Chris Godwin plays a lot inside, but, you know, any team, honestly, Connor's team, the Jets, need a hell of a lot of wide receivers. If they don't get Robbie Anderson back, K.J. Hill could be a day three option in the slot where he could be a really good player. I think the Colts are going to need to add some wide receivers. He fits the profile they've had. The Chiefs could cut Sammy Watkins. They could certainly use someone like K.J. Hill. So I think there's a lot of teams where if you're going to go four and five wide, K.J. Hill could be in like the fourth or fifth round, a starting caliber wide receiver that could come in and be a very good player from the slot. Yeah, if it weren't for Clemson and those receivers being so damn good right now, I think Ohio State would have a case for wide receiver U. And they've got some more that are going to come up next year. Uh, but for me, I'm going with a deep sleeper, a guy that really I had done zero work on before today, and that's Javon Leak out of Maryland, the running back. One of the first things I do, a little peek behind the curtain, when I'm scouting a player, I go through, I look at height, weight, speed, and when I looked at height, weight, speed for him, I said, Oh, this is going to be fun. A running back that ran a 4-6, doesn't have a lot of great size, doesn't have production, but 
I loved his tape. I mean, really, one of the best running backs that I've done so far looking at this next tier of day three guys, I think that he can be special. I think what he brings to you as a return specialist is going to be great. He returned three kicks during his time at Maryland. And when you look at that four six five and the 40, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if he was hurt, but he is not slow. This guy can move, and I think that he can be a real difference maker for a lot of teams. I think he can come in day three pick and be at least a number three running back, work his way into that number two spot. Quickness, quick, quick feet, can move in and out of cuts, can hit the deep ball. Uh, receiving out of the backfield, not very productive. He got 10 passes at Maryland. He's going to have to work on that. Uh, the ball security was a little bit, had seven fumbles during his time there. Uh, three of those came in one game. I need to go back and look at that. I'm not done with him yet. But so far, what I'm seeing out of Javon Leak, I really like out of Maryland. And I know the 40 time was bad. I've already got people coming at me on Twitter. They have that last name, Leak. So maybe I should look into that too. But I like what I've seen so far out of Javon Leak from Maryland. I'm going to go with the running back on day three as well, and that's Eno Benjamin. I know there's been so much hype around Clyde Edwards E. Lair going in the top 50 of this class. I look at Benjamin and see him as really just a discount version of him. And I think with Benjamin, a lot of it is he did not have a ton to work with with that Arizona State offensive line. It felt like he was being hit behind the line of scrimmage over and over again, or he was just always looking for somewhere to go. But when he had space, he made things happen, and he shows up at the combine. First off, really good size for a running back. When I say that, he's a compact runner, 5'9", 210 pounds. He jumps through the roof, really good three-cone, under seven seconds. The 40 time, 457, that's almost standard for running backs these days. It really feels like. But what I like about Benjamin is a three down player. He can catch the ball. He can run inside. He can run outside. He finishes runs with power. You have to absolutely love that. Does he have game breaking speed? Definitely not. But when you're elusive in space and can make guys miss, not only at the second level of the field, but at the line of scrimmage to open up runs, I think that's really, really special stuff. And this is someone that's caught almost 80 passes over the last two seasons. So when you look at Eno Benjamin, I know he's somebody that we did have conversations about over the summer and we were really, really excited about. I just think the offense held him back, but the player, the success, and just the skills that translate on top of really, really good character, he's got it all. I bet he does not sneak into day two, unfortunately, because of the position he plays. But if he lasted in the league for eight to 10 productive years as a fourth or fifth round pick, I would not be surprised. Now, guys, I want to throw a curveball at you, something we didn't put in the rundown, but does anyone have a day three quarterback that they like? And I don't, like? Jalen Hurts is not day three, right? We all agree Jalen Hurts is probably going to go in the second round now, even maybe even the third round. So I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be a day three quarterback. Uh, going through draft 400, I have not found one day three quarterback that I was like, yeah, like a little bit Kevin, Kevin Davidson, a little bit Mason Fine, but like there's some outlier traits for them where it's like, I mean, Mason Fine is tiny. Kevin Davidson has played um, not great competition at Princeton and uh, just, it, you know, so it's like it's hard to project forward. But if I did take anyone from day three at the quarterback, it would be those two. I mean, I like Nate Stanley the best out of them. Okay. If that tells you anything. As so, do I, as far as rankings yeah, go. Do I like any of them? Nope, I don't. I don't like any of them. I, I think after Jake Fromm, and after Jake Fromm, there's a big fall off. That should tell you a lot because that's after Jake Fromm. Yeah, actually going to bat for one of these guys is tough. I think there's things with James Morgan where I thought his team was not good. 
and he has some traits where he can move a little, but he's got a strong arm. He's tough. He got he got the shit kicked out of him and just kind of kept bouncing back up. I mean, he's probably a sixth or seventh round kind of player that you hope can make the team and develop into a backup in a better situation. But I think if you're looking at this day three class, it doesn't seem to have that guy where you're going, man, maybe maybe it'll click at the next level. I just don't really see anybody like that right now. All right, let's take a break. We come back. Your draft on draft questions here at the amazing Stick to Football. Draft on draft time. BK up first. Where does Rondale Moore rank in next year's wide receiver class? Rondale, a fantastic playmaking wide receiver from Purdue. So not from your Clemsons or LSUs or Alabamas, but a little bit undersized. And I think with Rondale Moore, He's going to be a little bit for me like, uh, and again, this is without a full year of evaluation, but kind of like a Marquise Brown was where I really like his game. Marquise Brown, I think, was you know the first receiver drafted in 2019, would not have been in 2020. So there's a little bit of where does he stack up next year? I think off the top of my head, Jamar Chase is obviously number one. I think um, you have Donovan Smith, Waddle, uh, Justin Ross. I would probably put Rondell Moore at fifth. I have 13 receivers already on my big board for next year, just kind of my watch list. Uh, I mean, you look at all the guys that are on there, a lot of them don't have injury issues, and we saw that from Rondell Moore last year. I really love what he can do on the football field. He is going to be undersized, though. I think at best he's probably 5'8 and some change. I think they list him at 5'9, so that's kind of scary. I think he's going to fall into that offensive weapon kind of category he's a bulky receiver uh, for not having a whole lot of height but when you look at guys like Justin Ross and Jamar Chase like they're going to be probably I don't want to say guaranteed top 10 picks but like they're going to be up there in this receiver class that we're seeing for next year it's going to rival the one that we're seeing this year there are some very good receivers going to be there so it's hard to tell uh we need to see another good year from Rondale Moore because the sophomore slump hitting pretty hard uh fantastic as a freshman we'll see what he can do as a junior yeah looking at Moore I mean obviously Chase is in his own world but then you have Waddle and Justin Ross I think Moore is in that class with those guys right now and I know the size thing is interesting, but he's one of the strongest players pound for pound in the country of what he can do in the weight room. Now, you want him to stay healthy, of course, but when you look at how productive he can be at that size, I mean, I remember when he was a freshman, him just absolutely ragdolling Ohio State defenders in that upset. So I love this guy. I'm excited to watch him play. And and let's not forget the first two games out of the gate last year, I think combined he had 340 yards and, and over 20, almost 25 catches in the first two games. And then he gets hurt. So when you look at what he could do, he's a special player. And and I know I'll be keeping an eye on him as a potential first round player. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely think round one is, is likely for him. Rob Griffith asked, any chance the Bucks trade for Julian Edelman now maybe a third round pick so is there a chance yes because if if you know a while back you said to me that Tom Brady was gonna be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer I would have told you you were full shit but I think this is very unlikely they have Chris Godwin they have Mike Evans um they they have uh what's his name Scotty Miller they got in the sixth round last year they have OJ Howard they have Anthony Alclair they have Cameron Brait they have a lot of pass catchers not to mention Ronald Jones and we expect they'll add another running back so would it be cool to see like the band get back together? Yeah. 
but I just don't think it happens. I I don't either, and I don't see Belichick sitting there saying, oh, they're going to give us a third-round pick for my number one receiver. No, they can go to hell, and Brady can too. I, I think that the if they're going to make a move for Edelman, they'd have to come with that second-round pick. I don't think that they're going to move off him uh, to go to Tampa Bay. I just don't see Belichick doing that. Man, I think New England at some point really needs to make a decision here of, of what they're... And we're going to learn about that, what, what happens with Joe Tooney, who signed his franchise tender. We're going to see... If they move him, then you have the sense that New England is going to accept a full-scale rebuild that'll probably take at least a year. I mean, freaking Julian Edelman, guys, turns 34 in May. Mm-hmm. 34 years old. He's been hurt. He's been suspended. I know he had a 1,000-yard season this year, it, really where he was the guy in the offense. But if I was New England... Man, I if I was the Bucks, I I would definitely I don't know I actually would feel better drafting a third wide receiver Same. than surrendering right. a third round pick or day two pick for Julian Edelman for what to appease Tom Brady for two years. I think you can get a better player as the third guy. And let's not forget, yeah, they have Mike Evans paid. Chris Godwin is a guy that is going to cost a lot of money. You can't tie sixty million dollars or whatever between three wide receivers. I tweeted this Thursday because we're doing Draft 400 stuff. Devin Duvernay, who you could probably have in the third or fourth round, is perfect for Tom Brady. That short, stocky, really reliable hands. I think he only dropped three passes on like 124 catches. Quick, fast up the field. We talked about K.J. Hill, uh, you know, Isaiah Coulter. There's a lot of guys that you could draft, not in the third round, who could be pretty good players in that that same position. So I think that's hard, though, too, because we don't know – what this offense is going to look like. Like, ideally, with what we've seen with Tom Brady, those guys would fit. Maybe with what Bruce Arians wants to do, though, they won't fit at all. Yeah, that's a good point. Bobby Kerfman asked, hypothetical question in the spirit of free agency. How many players in the league would be worth the two first it would cost if they had a non-exclusive franchise tag? It's actually, I mean, it's a really good question. Obviously, uh, Patrick Mahomes I, is worth I it. I think you have to throw out, like, all the young quarterbacks. There's right, just like too many. Sean Watson, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I, I think even guys that are on the cusp, like a Baker Mayfield type, a Sam Darnold, like, I think they're all going to get a first round, two first round picks as well. But when you look at the other positions, uh, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald would, but he's even getting kind of older. Connor, would you for Stephon Gilmore? Mm. Right, <laughs> that's and he's the best corner in football. And, and you look at the teams that have two first round picks. A lot of them aren't in a win now. Mode. No, I wouldn't. He turns thirty this year, right? And so, like, like I love Gilmore, right? So, like Jalen Ramsey, yeah. You know, like ah, the Rams did the it. The list is small. The list is really small. Yeah. yeah, and the Rams probably horribly regret everything they've done. The Rams have ten draft picks in the next two years, guys. The Colts probably don't have the picks to do it, but apparently they will give up first-round picks that are pretty high. <laughs> right, yeah. The Texans, <laughs> they yeah. love to I trade mean, Bill O'Brien picks. would do it. Yeah, he does not. I don't even know what Bill's plan is. Uh, but there, there are not many players. Um, I'm of the mindset, and anyone who listens to the show knows usually, like I love draft picks, but I also think that draft picks are overvalued because like when when guys like Stephon Diggs are getting traded and it's not costing very much, or when Jarrell Casey goes for a seventh rounder, like we overvalue yeah. draft picks uh, without a doubt. All right, next up, Corey Vallis. Does the Jaguars signing Joe Schobert mean they are out on Isaiah Simmons if he falls, or could they play him as a safety? I don't think they're out on him, Corey. I will be surprised if he makes it to nine overall. I know sometimes we do mock drafts and he's available or he falls. That's just because he is hard to slot in 
to a team based on team needs. But I think that Isaiah Simmons, yeah, could he play strong safety? Absolutely. Yes, he could. They have Ronnie Harrison, who's a good player. But I think you find a role for Isaiah Simmons if he happens to be there. Miles Jack, Joe Schulbert, Quincy Williams, Isaiah Simmons, pretty good way to slow down the the Deshaun Watsons of the AFC South. Yeah, I actually like that signing uh, if you do plan on targeting a guy like Simmons, because then he doesn't have to come in and play linebacker all the time. You can play Miles Jack there, you can play Schobert there, and then you can move around Simmons. You can put him as your, I guess technically your third linebacker that's on the field, but he never has to come off. If you go nickel, you go dime, whatever package you want, you have more freedom, and him and Miles Jack in the same defense is just something we've been dreaming about for way too long yeah I look at it man I I really want them to prioritize the offensive line here and I know people are saying hey we have this guy we have that guy there's been a lot of players there that have been hurt or have underperformed and if you go offensive line here which is fine if you go Simmons he's going to be a really good player but I think you can really give Gardner Minshew a chance and I mean if it doesn't work then you're looking at quarterbacks as simple as that yeah, or in it. I mean, maybe Justin Fields really breaks out. I think we saw a lot of promise from him last year, at least. So you're looking at the quarterback class. So Jacksonville, I like Isaiah Simmons, guys. I'm going to be out in front. There aren't a lot of teams in the top 10 that I think need to prioritize that pick. I don't know how much better he makes those teams in the top 10 that none of them have franchise tackles, it feels like. A lot of them either need quarterbacks or pass rushers or corner. So Chase Young and Akuda are going in the top 10. That's just my hot take. I don't know how much better Isaiah Simmons makes the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Yeah. I, that's why I think like Carolina is interesting. Arizona is interesting. You know, it's it's got to be a team that already has a quarterback. But uh, like you said, Connor, all these teams need offensive tackles. So it will tell us a lot how teams value the tackles in this class. If we've been overrating them a little bit, expecting four to go in the top 11, or if, if we see someone fall a little bit. Last question from Woody Carr. If the Bears can get Jalen Hurts with a second-round pick, what are the chances he beats out Trubisky and Foles to start this season? So there's no way in hell they should like throw that much value at the quarterback position. Um, I like Jalen Hurts a lot, and I think, yeah, he'd be fun. He'd be very different than what they have there, but I don't think you hold on to Trubisky, sign a very expensive Nick Foles, or trade for Nick Foles, excuse me, and then draft someone in the second round. I just don't think you could be spending that many resources on a quarterback. Yeah, it's a lot of But assets. they have to get it right. They do have or to get it right. Or he's fired. I think they might already be. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. They yeah, fair. Right. That's fair. But I also think like you don't have enough picks to say, all right, we're going to take a quarterback again in the second <laughs> round know. when you already have two on roster that, I mean, you traded for, you're paying Foles a lot of money for. Uh, Trubisky, I'm sure that he's getting paid pretty well, too, being the second overall pick. So to come in and say, all right, we have these two guys, we're paying them a lot of money. And with our first pick in the NFL draft, here's another quarterback that might even be a running back. That it's at least going to be a project a little yeah. bit. I mean, I just think that neither of those guys are going to succeed behind this offensive line anyway. So oh, I don't. I think mean, they that will. second, yeah, they need more picks because I, I feel like I've been saying this the entire show, but like all these bad teams or underachieving teams is the word I should use need offensive linemen from this really good class. Like the the Chicago Bears have two second-round picks, but they don't pick again until the fifth round. So if you're taking a quarterback with one of those picks, chances are that, I mean, two of those quarterbacks have to sit on the bench. So if you really you can't miss if you're taking a quarterback there. And, I mean, you're... You should be trying to trade Trubisky if you take a quarterback at 43 or 50. Good luck getting anything back for him. I know, yeah, right? right? I mean, but it's just the they're so pick deficit right now. And I think you could say that about 
honestly, we can look back now and say what the Rams did by trading all these picks to win. They got to a Super Bowl, didn't win, wasn't worth it. The Bears traded a ton of picks for Khalil Mack, got got to the playoffs, and now they're rebuilding again. These teams that trade all their picks for high-priced, established players, it's not working. Like you have to build through the draft still. And it's such a catch twenty two with the veterans. Like I, I think if you can bring in a good veteran for a late round pick, but those first round picks still carry a lot of weight. Uh, and you're right. Like looking back at this, we were like, oh my god, they traded Khalil Mack for a first round pick, or what was it, two first two round first picks? Like yeah, you do that every day. But now we're looking at the Chicago Bears, and I think it would be different if they hit on Trubisky and he were more successful. But you're looking back now, thinking, you know what? Raiders got a pretty good deal out of that thing, and they're building, and they're doing things uh, that we probably didn't expect them to do when that trade happened. All right, that is our show. We will be back Monday morning. Connor and I, probably a mock draft Monday is the way it's looking over the weekend. Uh, As we say, guys, and we're going to hammer this home until we're through this thing, please, please, please be safe, be smart, wash your hands, uh, stay home if you can. We are all three working from home we're not going into the offices we're not going out to the bars we're staying home please do that if you're able to let's take care of each other we'll get through this but until then we'll continue to give you three shows a week as we go through free agency and lead up to the nfl draft so for Mello, for connor's matt we'll talk to you guys real soon 